Well, hello there, family. I didn't see you there. And welcome back to another edition of Crenshaw Corner. I am your host, Sanchez Crenshaw and family. Unfortunately, I am not joined by the best part of my day. The apple of my eye, the wind beneath my wings, the rib that completes me. She is not with me today, family. Um, family, if you've been listening at all to the episodes, then you know that the month of June is dedicated to fathers. So with that being said, family, I have a treat for you guys today. I have some wonderful men that's going to be joining me on this microphone, and we're just going to have some open and honest and true dialogue and dialect and all them dias about fatherhood. But family, before we do that, I just want to say thank you. And for our new family members, however you're listening, whether it's iTunes, whether it's Podbean, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Google Play, whether it's Apple, ooh, not Apple Music, but Amazon Music, um, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or on our own personal website at www.thecrenshawcorner.com. We thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, for our returning family members, you know how we feel about you. Now, there's just something about a returning family member that it's just, it just does something to our heart knowing that you guys are with there with us um you've been with us from the beginning you listen week in and week out you actually send us love you interact with us on the socials you send us emails and we just thank you so much for that and we could not do what we do without you guys and as always just welcome to the cookout bring some lunar foil make sure you take something with you and then family as i mentioned we consider ourselves an interactive podcast which means we can be found on the socials we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, all under Crenshaw Corner. And of course, you can email us at any time at thecrenshawcorner@gmail.com. Once again, thecrenshawcorner@gmail.com. Now, family, once again, if you noticed, that opening was very short. I got through it very quickly. Now, the reason I got through it very quickly is because I'm excited. I have wonderful gentlemen here that I'm so happy to introduce and one to reintroduce, actually two to reintroduce to the family, which I'm excited about. So with no further ado, we're going to jump right into it. So this big, beautiful man to my right, say hello to the family. Hey, what's going on, y'all? It's Mark. Now, family, you most likely recognize that voice because him and his lovely wife actually did an episode with us um, entitled Rekindalization. And it was really just talking about how do you keep that spark in your marriage? How do you, once you feel like that ember's dying, how do you stroke it and how do you get it? you know, refired up and just making sure that each party is involved. And if you have not listened to that episode, go back and listen to it. It'll bless you. One of my favorites. One of your favorites? Yeah. yeah. Now, beautiful man, introduce yourself to the family. Hey, hey, I am Daniel Alvarez. What's up, family? How y'all doing? Now, family, you hear how sexy that voice is? <laughs> <laughs> just wait till I post a picture, family. Uh, <laughs> no, they better wait because I'm a married man. <laughs> So, family, understand that the face matches the voice. It's a sexy voice, a sexy man. man. I, I love this man. He is, and I can't wait for the family to really get to know him and, and really what he has to bring and, and talk to the family about. And then last but certainly not least. Uh, Jarvis Swanson. Yeah, and family, you have heard this voice multiple, multiple times. So, family, of course, Jarvis and his wonderful wife um, did an episode with us, um, and they brought knowledge, and it was really about kind of you know, living that life off of one income and, you know, how do you make that happen and, and just chasing dreams. And it's, it was a wonderful episode. Go back and listen to that. And then also family Jarvis sat in on our last Father's Day episode um, yes. that we had. 
So and and I love him and I love his point of view and I just wanted to bring him back for another session. Glad to be here. I'm so happy to have you. So family, we're just gonna jump right into it. So gentlemen, I'm gonna throw a question out to you and then whoever wants to answer first, go for it and then just chime in when you're ready. But I'm curious, what is fatherhood to you? When you hear the word fatherhood and father, what does it mean to you? Whoever wants to go first, just jump in. I guess I'll I'll go. Um for me, it, it, it's everything. Um, it's, it's legacy. Right. That's, that's kind of what I what I think about when I think about fatherhood. Right. Is uh, establishing a legacy, um, getting to uh, represent the heavenly Father, um, and and preparing young people to deal with with life. Man, it's right. it's tough out here. And uh, as a father, it's my responsibility to to teach my children how to see life, how to deal with it. Now, Jarvis, remind. Oh, excuse me. That that did not go well. Remind the family your your kids. Give me your resume real quick. How many kids do you have? Okay, I have four children. Um, I have a twenty eight year. Oh, she's twenty nine. Twenty nine year old. <laughs> he knew that. He didn't mean it. He twenty six. <laughs> twenty nine. Twenty six. Eighteen. And uh, our youngest son will be sixteen. Right. This week. This week. Yeah, oh, man. Jarvis is a vampire, though. Yeah. <laughs> Bro. Mad young out here. You see that, right? No, so, yeah. I, I um, had my first child at, at um, 16 and uh, didn't stop. Right. Should have stopped, but didn't stop. <laughs> you did that puffy. Can't stop, won't stop. Exactly. Exactly. Daniel, when you hear fatherhood and, and father, what, what comes to mind? What does it mean to you? Yeah, you're, you're setting up generations. You're, you're showing... You're showing a, a tough love, right? You know, rooted in in compassion. Um, you're teaching your kids how to respect, not just by words, by example, right? Fatherhood has been a growing experience for me, because you can't just say things; you have to live it out, right? Because your kids pick up on it; they pay attention. They do, yeah, they do. Give the family your resume real quick. How many yeah. kids do you have? I have three kids. A uh, fourteen-year-old, my inherited son. I right. call him. He's from my wife's first marriage, uh, Noah. Uh, he's he's the easiest right now, thank God. <laughs> Which is crazy to think that you're a 14 year old. You don't need to say that. In Jinx. <laughs> you don't need to say that in Jinx. Okay. And then I have a a five year old Jackson, and a two year old Levi. Yeah, Levi. Now I love all your kids, but Levi Levi does my heart good, man. Levi is amazing. That dude's a trip. Yeah. The families, just so you understand, Levi's two. Mm-hmm. And right now, you could put Levi on the football field and give him a ball, and he'd be a good halfback. He just one hundred percent, one hundred percent, just gone. Yes. All right, Mark, fatherhood, father. What does it mean to you, sir? Um, I would honestly say it's one of the greatest blessings I've had. You know, I've actually been given the opportunity to raise good human beings. You right. know, so it's it has its challenging times, but it's just to have that opportunity to raise good people in this world is. You know, something you could you could never I can never you know replace, and also to instill in them to try to break generational curses. Give the family your resume again. How many kids do you have? Uh, two kids. I have a six-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son. Six-year-old daughter and a son. And family. Um, for me, you guys know we we've talked about it multiple times. I'm the father of four. Um, like Daniel, my sons are my inheritance sons, um, and my daughter is my biological. But um, I have four kids. Um, I've raised them all. And we're going to get into that because I have some questions for you, Daniel, about that. Yeah, sure. Because uh, I'm curious about a couple of things. Um, but before we like really get into it, I want to know, what was the first lesson that fatherhood taught you? Like when you 
first accepted the fact, yo, I am a father. I got this kid looking at me. I am responsible for somebody. What was the first lesson that fatherhood taught you? Um, I would say for me, um, I couldn't, my first lesson was I couldn't let my past determine the type of father I was going to be. Okay. You know, because uh, some people who know my story know that me and my father have a great relationship now, but I was raised by a single mother. Right. So I went into fatherhood with a blank canvas. You know, I didn't have that, oh, I'm going to do this like my dad. I'm going to do this because at the time I wanted to do everything opposite of him. Okay. So it was, you know, that lesson of, you know what, I can't use that excuse to not be a good dad because my dad went around when I was younger. You know, I got to step up to the plate and really, you know, really handle my business. Daniel, what about you? What's the first lesson fatherhood taught you? Meant that you got to be present, like no matter what. Right. I think above all i give i give new fathers that advice is you need to be present okay any frustration you feel as a new father is because you're putting yourself before your kids right in that moment um and so when when noah started becoming part of my life uh, f- first of all noah has a father right and he's blessed to have two fathers that love him dearly uh that have a great relationship with him right um so i know i know kids don't have fathers and he has two so he's blessed beyond measure in that respect um but i i couldn't let i couldn't let his current father get in the way of how i how i raise him okay and how i'm his father right um so it it took me being present and cutting all through through the noise of he already has a dad you know i don't need to be there like that for him you know i'm i'm married his mom but you know cutting through all that noise and just being present uh, for him um, Help me With my other two sons now I love it Yeah Jarvis what about you sir Um I think the first lesson It Was that Life is not about me anymore It's is is, You know Once you have children It's not about You know Just representing you Or Showing who you are You know It's about preparing Something for them Um and so just being more selfless, I right. think that was the first, the first lesson. The first lesson for me was to learn that I did not know everything and it was okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to have all the answers. Um, my, my mother, um, like you, Mark, I was raised by a single mother as well. Um, she didn't have all the answers, even though some, a lot of the time she pretended like she did, but she didn't have all the answers. And knowing that you don't have all the answers, knowing that you're going to make a mistake, but as long as those mistakes are made in love, because it's one thing to make a mistake, but it's another thing to make a mistake in love. Yep. Because you can do the wrong thing, but as long as the, the motive behind it is love and the mistake you make is love-based, then you can work through that. And I love the fact, that, Daniel, you're talking about you, you didn't come in trying to replace anyone. You didn't come in, and if, I could be wrong, and if, if I'm putting words in my mouth, please let me know. You didn't come in trying to replace or trying to take any, or trying to step in anyone's shoes. You carved your own niche. You carved your own place in Noah's life. Is, is that what I was hearing? Absolutely, yeah. It's, I mean, we live, aside from being a father, the world we live in is so comparison-based, right? Right. So it would be easy in that situation for me to compare myself to his father who was in his life in that moment. Right. But I... I thank God I didn't even like, I didn't even flirt with that notion. You know, I, God has 
made me very confident in who I am. Um, so when I, when Noah entered my life and, and I entered his, it was like, you're going to get, you're going to get the father that God has made in me. Right. Like, that's what you're going to get from me. I don't know how your dad does it. I don't need to know. Well, I need to know a little bit because I need to make sure he's <laughs> at least doing it right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, he lived in my house for the most part. And I raised him for the most part. Right. You know? But, yeah, you, you can't be playing comparison, man. How old was Noah when you first came into his life? When five. You, he how, was five. How old Jackson is right now? That's crazy. It's crazy. It is crazy. It's, it's similar for me because, like, my youngest son, who's 20, Dalen is 27 now, 28. I'm like, he drivers. I can't remember them, them years. Everything just... Started just once they leave together. the house, I don't know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I came into his life when he was five, and my older sons were like ten and ten and twelve at the time when I first came in, and I took that very similar mindset as you. You know, I'm not trying to replace anyone. I'm not because you they have great fathers, and I'm not trying to be somebody I'm not. I'm just trying to show you my love and who I am, and raise you the best I can as my child. But I'm curious because so Daniel does not have any girls. So mm-hmm. Daniel's the father of all boys. I have a daughter. Mark has a daughter. You have a daughter. Jarvis has a daughter. So I'm curious, Mark, when you when you saw your little girl for the first time, when she came out and they cleaned her up and she was all gooky and ooky, <laughs> what was what was the first thing that came to you when you first saw her? I think it's that uh that protect that protective instinct. Like I, I had it when I felt her. Right. Like my first thought was already thinking years ahead, like I wish somebody would. Like, you know, like, I wish that I wish that nurse would. You know what I'm saying? You know, hit my baby a little too hard if you want to. You know? And then it's like it's also it gave me joy because it's like, man, I'm the first guy that's gonna be in her life. So like I set the standard for how she will be treated. You know, right. I set the standard of what to take, what not to take. So it's like it was just this huge responsibility because, like I said, I grew up with brothers. So I, it, it was a joyous moment, but it was also like a wake-up call, like, man, I have to live my life right because if I'm doing wrong, she going to think, oh, that's okay to take. Right. So it was that responsibility of you bringing this woman into the world, you know, to, you know, nurture her, but also, you know, teach her the ways of you can be independent too, but not too independent where you feel like you don't need anybody. Right. You know, so it was – it was a it was a day, you know. A lot of times sitting sitting on that couch in the hospital room, just sitting there, you know, just praying. Like I hope I get it right. You know, I hope I get it right. You know, and I'm like you say, I'm always gonna be there. I'm gonna show up. I'm gonna be there. Whatever you need, I got you. I'm I'm so one thing you just said, and I hope people don't miss. It's because as as much as we don't want to admit it, there's a lot of pressure on being a father, especially pressure being a father of a girl. Because Mark, you just said it best. They're going, whether we want to believe it or not, whether we want to accept it or not, they're going to gear their relationships, how they're treated, how they're talked to, what they will accept, what they won't accept. They're going to gear all that towards what did my father do? How did my father talk to me? How did my father treat me? The same with God, the same with, with sons. You know, your sons are going to treat their girlfriends or their wives oh, yeah. how you treat their mother. Because we, whether we want to admit it or not, we are the first line of defense. We are what they look to. So if you're the type of person, Mark, that, you know, that constantly yells at your daughter or constantly berating your daughter, or constantly putting down your daughter, then it becomes okay because you're supposed to be the man that loves me the most in this world. So if you treat me this way, then some random dude off the street who calls me out my name, who talks down to me, who berates me, it becomes normal and natural. 
So the fact that early on, you know, that that hit you, I think it's amazing because I, I know now that a lot of, even to this day, no matter the age, a lot of fathers don't get that concept. Jarvis, what about you? When you, and I know we kind of touched on in our last episode, and so, and I'm going to steal your thunder just a little bit for those who don't know. So I think you might have mentioned it, but you had your first, you had your first kid really when you were a kid. You were like oh, yeah. 15, 16 right. when you had your first child. So when you first saw your daughter and you looked at her for the first time, and I know you kind of touched on that story the last time, but for the family members who are not aware, what was it like for you the very first time you saw your daughter? Man, it was difficult because um, the very first time I saw her, I, I saw her in a mall. Right. And um, she was two months old already. And so I didn't, you know, I, I found out after she was born. And, you know, min, this many years later, I think one of the, the most important things for a father is to witness his children being born. Right. Like, that connection because you know the mom has a connection from the baby growing in her and you can kind of experience that but from a spectator point of view but that moment when that child is like birthed in and you're like man this thing is real and i'm watching it come out and it's going to grow in front i think for a father like that's our moment of connection right um so to wit to to be able to witness that is 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 really important and i didn't i I wasn't there um i didn't even know about the day that she was born um so to meet her in the mall and to you know i got five minutes to hold her and i got to hand her back i really had no excuse me thoughts about being a father it was trauma right so when you so, because initially the the way it started was rocky. Mm-hmm. So, but once once we got through all that, and then it you got to the moment where you could actually be a father to her and in her life. What was that moment like for you? I think <clears throat> I think um, it 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 kind of helped me with with every child with all my children. It was like, whatever I do or don't do in their lives, it's going to reflect on me. So whatever right. they become, if they're a murderer, where, where were you? I played a part in that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If, uh, if, if they're a rogue scholar, were you there to be a part of that? And I had to answer that question for myself and be like, no, no matter if they're going to reflect on me, no matter what they do, then I better be there. Right. And, and that was kind of like the moment that the fatherhood turned on for me. Okay. Um, something I want you guys to touch on as well. Daniel, you touched on it earlier, and you just kind of touched on it with that statement as well. Talk about presence, that being a present in your son's life or in your child's life. What is that? Because you hear it all the time. You hear, you know, be present, be present, be present. But at the end of the day, what does that mean? Mm. If, 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 if I'm a new father... And Daniel, I sit down in front of you and I say, I'm about to have a kid. I don't know what to do. And you start talking about presence. What does that even mean? It's a great question. Yeah. I mean, and the simplest application nowadays is like just putting your phone down. Right. And like when you're holding your baby, when you're around your baby, when you're around your wife, especially, especially in those first few months, man, because you don't have any control over how your baby reacts and, and, and acts and cries. And I mean, you have some control to stop the crying, right? right. Feed the baby, pick the baby up, change the baby. But I always tell fathers when they first become a father, if you feel any frustration during those first months, 
is because you're distracted from your child. Okay. Because if you're fully present with your child, when your child cries, you know you know your child's gonna cry. You know there's probably a few things that you need to do to right. you know to help the, the child out. But yeah, nowadays it's as simple as just putting your phone down. Like, what else are you gonna do at home if you have your phone down and your TV <laughs> off? Right. Are you gonna read a book when your baby's crying? No. <laughs> like, you're gonna be you're gonna be fully present, right? Um, That's it right there. Yeah. Yeah. And because, again, like during those first few months, to be frustrated at your baby is there's, there's almost no need for it because your baby has no control over over what it does. Right. You know, when when they start getting older, you know. Then we have different they, conversations. They, they, start, they start knowing what they're doing. Yeah. And they do it on purpose sometimes. <laughs> but, yeah, especially in those first, it gets, being present gets harder when they get older because of that. Right. Because they can now do other things and they're conscious. But so getting that foundation first of being present when they're a baby, it at least helps you. You know, you're not gonna be perfect. It at least helps you. It takes more concerted effort as they it get does. older to it really, does. because at that point in time, depend on the age, you're almost forcing yourself to be a part of their life. Because once they get to a certain age, the more you pull, the more they push. Yeah. So yeah, Mark, for you, when so I'm a new father, I sit down. I'm like. Little big brother, I'm about to have a kid. I don't know what to do. I heard this dude say I need to be present. What does that mean? Well, I'm, I'm going to give it to you like this. Like, I, Growing up, I grew up, and knowing I wanted it to be different for me, I felt that frustration. Both my kids, like, I'm I'm a super active dad, always want to be an active dad, but with both my kids, I was only off work for one day for both of them after they were born. Okay. So I felt that frustration because I'm at work working with patients and, you know, giving them all my time. And then my kids are at home with my wife, just her, right. you know, like, and I, and I missed that. I missed that being present in the first couple of months because I couldn't get off work. So it, it, it was, it, it frustrates you. Like you said, it really frustrates you. It drives, like it took me away from my job. I can be at work sometime and I'm zoning out because I'm like, man, I should be at home. I should have been able to take a week off if not even two, you know, but I couldn't wow. do that. And it's, it, it it affects you. It affects you not being there because I felt like, you know, this dad I wanted to be, like I was dropping the ball from the start. Mm. When, and when it wasn't that, you know, I was providing for my family, but these are the, the mental challenges that you go through as a new dad. You know, so now looking forward, I wish I would have put more effort and just told my job, hey, like, you either go give it to me or not. You know, I'm going to take off or not because right. at the end of the day, that job will be there. Right. You know, or other jobs out here, but like that time that you get when your kids are young, you don't get back. You know, we've had the conversation before. I went times where I saw my kids on uh, Sunday night. I was going to work so early, coming home so late. I might not see them again until the next Saturday. Right. And it got to the point where my kids, I would go to work and they'd be like, oh, you going to work again? This is my daughter at three. Like, again? Like, I'm like, daddy got to go to work again? You know, uh, that hits you like, right. man, when your daughter at three knows that you're always going to work yeah it starts making you feel like man i'm putting my job before my family mm. and, and that didn't that didn't sit well with me at all and and i think that's a part too that a lot of people don't talk about especially when it comes to father and it comes right. to men that when that child is first born it's important for both parents to be there it's not just the mother needs to be able to bond with the child in those first few months those first few weeks the father does as well. It's yeah. it's important because they need that child needs to know the love of both their parents. And then also, mama need a break. Yeah. Right. Daddy need a break. You know, you're there to help each other and play off each right. other, but that bonding time, because whether you want to realize it or not, kids remember that. 
you know, they may not remember every moment. They remember that feeling. They remember that bond. They remember turning over. And, and my dad is there turning over. My mom is there. They remember that. Yep. Right. So, Pastor Jay, so I'm coming to you. I need counseling, sir. <laughs> I'm a new father out here. I don't know what I'm doing. I ain't never had a dad. So, Pastor Jay, and I hear this dude talk about being present. I don't know what that is. What is it? So, first of all, like Daniel said, it, you know, it starts with just being actually, you know, taking the word as it is and actually just being present. Right. You know, many fathers are not physically present. And, um, you know, I hear, I hear, <laughs> I hear Mary say sometimes say like, "Oh, I gotta watch my kids." Like, you, you, yeah, you, you're not watching your kids. Yeah, like, like I gotta, <laughs> I gotta babysit my kids. I gotta right, babysit exactly. Who you like, babysit? Right. My son. So those are your children. Like what? So just that 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 mentality of that I have to watch this child. I have to observe this child to understand who they are. Right. And so the second part of being you know physically showing up, but then mentally, like Daniel said being in the moment like really be here and you know it's something that we have to practice in every area of our life really but a lot of times we are you know we at work but we really not at work Nah, we not you know we, we talk it to our spouse but we really not there yeah like really being in the moment with your child so that you can see uh, uh, like marcus said like i can i'm seeing years in a, ahead in this child's eyes, like the type of person that this is going to be. Right. And what do I have to become to help this child get there? One of the hardest things about being a parent is the hypocrisy <laughs> <laughs> that you have to deal with. Speak to that for a moment. Because you, you, see, you see your child make a mistake. It's a mistake you still make. Yeah. But you got to teach them not to make that mistake. And you sometimes feel like a hypocrite. And the really good parents... We teach them anyway. Yeah, teach to the moment. The poor parents, and I don't want to hold myself accountable, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be a <clears throat> I'm gonna be a friend to you. Yeah, instead of being a parent to you. Yeah, and so as a parent, you got to deal with that hypocrisy, I, and you got two yeah. ways to deal with it. One is to teach and ignore it, or two to teach and grow. Right, and we have to be willing to grow as parents. I want. I would venture to say that that is harder for men than it is for women. I would disagree. Would you? Yeah, because, you know, I look at my son's, my, one of my son's mother, Jalen, uh, I'm sorry, Jarvis's mom, she struggles with it. Right. You know, she, she does, she allows him graces because she is allowing herself those same graces. Okay. The reason I say, the reason I say I think it's sometimes a little harder for men <laughs> It's because if we're honest with ourselves, we don't like to admit we're wrong. That's true. <laughs> so, and for me, so for me to look at my son and say, I recognize that behavior because it's my behavior, that means I have to admit I'm wrong. And I think, I, I'm speaking for me. I ain't going to speak for every man in the room, but I'm going to speak for me. That ain't my favorite conversation. Me telling myself that I am wrong. Now, once I get to that point, I am man enough to have that conversation. And Jarvis, you and I talked about this before, and we've talked about it on the podcast, that I've spent a good part of my adulthood having conversations with my kids where I'm apologizing to them. Yeah, I'm sorry for this event that happened. I'm sorry for this conversation. I'm sorry that I handled this situation this particular way. Not defending myself, right. not justifying what I did, but just explaining. Here's the process. Right. Here's how I got there. 
here's why I did what I did and have that a conversation with them. But Jarvis, I think you hit on the point is that, yeah, there is hypocrisy in parenthood, but the, the good parents know how to work through it. They That's know right. how to, yeah, I recognize that right now you're being a jerk because I'm a jerk <laughs> right. and I got some jerk tendencies, <laughs> but we're going to work through this together. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. So I'm curious. So Daniel, I'm curious for you, sir. So like you said, so walked into a ready-made family, walked into a five-year-old son, and then you guys had two kids of your own. So throughout your fatherhood process, what has been the, the hardest part for you about being a father? Honestly, it's, there, there are nights, and I don't know if y'all can relate, there are nights where I'll lay in bed with my wife and and I'll just look at her and I'll be like, man, was I the was I the best I, dad I could be today? Right. You know, did I did I talk to my kids how like how I would have wanted to? Was I as present as I wanted to be or I should have been? Right. Um and just the realization that I don't think that's gonna go away. Okay. I don't I don't think the 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 it's it's a need. The need to be the best I can be for my kids. Right. It's a pressure, you know, and it's it's a weight. And I ask those questions and my wife looks at me like, what are you talking about? Like <laughs> they they love you. Like you you did great today. But I mean I get I sometimes I get emotional in those moments and I'm like, was I the did I show love today? Like was I compassionate to my kids today or was right. I just impatient? You know, could I have been more patient in this situation? Um, so just the, that constant conversation with myself, it's a very growing and humbling conversation. It is because it, it causes me to, to see how I'm parenting. Right. And that goes beyond parenting now. Like it Absolutely. sees how I'm living life. Yep. You know, if I, if I can't be patient with my children, you know, can I be patient with other people? Right. And on the flip side, I think, I think f- fathers need to do this a lot is you need, you need a your cup needs to be full until you go to sleep because you cannot bring your best energy to work. You cannot bring your best energy to church. You cannot bring your best energy to your friends. Come home and give your leftovers. That's good. Right. And it's too easy to do that. It's too easy to do that. I love that. So I'm sorry. Say that again for the people in the back just to make sure they understood you. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't go to work and give your best energy because you're going to. Right. You're getting paid for it. You're right? going to give your boss everything you got. 100%. Oof. You can't give your friends your best energy. You're going to. They're your friends, right? You want, you want to chill with them. Right. And then come home and give your leftovers. I, I don't know. I think my wife maybe called me out on this a few years ago. Or or maybe I came to the realization. I don't know. We had the conversation. But I, I just remember one day feeling like, dang, I, I just came home and shut down. Like, why am I showing more love at people in church and I, I can't do that for my kids? Right. You know what I mean? So, like, the the just... If you're if you're real about it, if you're real about it, the constant growth that you're going to experience as a father, um, like it's there always, and the right. weight is there always, and the pressure is there always. Absolutely. But you, so it's it's going to be there. If you don't face it, then it becomes overbearing, because you're going to have to face it eventually. Yeah. At some point. Yeah, it's going to happen. You know. So yeah. I'm I'm grateful that right now, even for my five year old, I find opportunities to apologize to him. Like, hey. I didn't mean to talk to you like that. This is why I did. 
And just so he understands, because he needs to see me make mistakes. Right. And he needs to see me handle them. Right. You know, like, su- uh, 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 Superman doesn't get it right all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's on full display. That's right. right. I got I to gotta be that for my kids. I got to let them know how to fail. Not that's just good. by words, by example. Yeah, that's good. I love it. You know? But, and, and, and I need to do it in a way that isn't demeaning to me as a parent either. Or right. Right. You know, I need to do it in a way that they can learn from it. But it takes, being a father takes being honest with yourself. That's right. A lot of self-evaluation. Absolutely. That's what I'm hearing, just a lot of self-evaluation. That, that daily checklist is just making sure. Yeah. Were my motives right today when it came right. to my kids? Right. right. You know, you touched on it. I'm going to harp on this just for a moment because we've all done it at one point in time, you know, because we're the breadwinners. We have to make sure that everything's in order for our kids. So it our boss doesn't ask us how we feel about something. Mm-hmm. They say this is required. Here's your expectations. Get it done. And you do everything in your power to make sure you get it done. But then we get home and our kids haven't seen us all day. or And they're excited about seeing us. And the Their moment, favorite person just came home. Their favorite person just walked through the door. And you taking your crown off. Goodness yeah. gracious. You, know, you got to keep your crown on when you get home. And you're frustrated. And now you, you push them to the side or give daddy a minute. And that minute turns into five, turns yeah. into ten. Now they ain't seen you. Now you telling your wife, can you do something with the kids? It's like, no, for real, but I just spent 10 hours giving strangers all of me. Right. But people I produced and brought into this world, I'm going to give you just a sprinkle mm-hmm. and think you should be okay with that. I love you, Dad. Now, here's the question, though. <laughs> Talk to me. So I've, I've had a difficult day at work. Right. I've had, you know, questions problems, issues coming at me all day. And I'm walking in the house. Where do I, how do I find that, that, that reserve to keep my crown on, right? to stay in my position? Um, where do I, where do I get that from? I think, first of all, that's an amazing question. And I'm going to speak to it first, and then, gentlemen, please chime in. Daniel touched on it earlier. It's you have to get to a point where you're not putting yourself first. Being a parent, especially being a father, being an effective father, is sacrifice. That's right. It's sacrifice. No, you're not always going to feel like being on. But you said something in the last episode that – I need fathers to go back and listen to and we're going to touch on it again. Mothers don't have a choice when it comes to being a mother. They're a mother from the moment. They can't turn it on and off. Fathers seem to think we can. We seem to think that there's an on and off switch that because it doesn't convenience me right now, I, I'm not going to be a father right now. In right. this moment, I'm not going to be a father. I'm going to turn it off. I'm going to let them handle it. And then when I'm ready, I'll turn it back on. It can't be that way. When you walk in the door, my thing is, if you need to decompress, you decompress before you walk in the door. You take that extra five, ten minutes, whatever you need, and you do that before you walk in the door. Right, stop at the gym. Stop at the gym. Sit in your car. One thing my wife and I used to do all the time when the kids were little, before we walked in the house, we would sit in the car for about 20, 30 minutes. 
and our kids are crazy. So they looking through the window, talk, calling us, talking about, we see you. <laughs> You're like, they know, they know. Yeah. Like, we see you out there. We know you sitting there. What's for dinner? But we knew that the moment we walked through that door, we had to be on. Right. There was no choice. And if to talk to your point, Jarvis, if you're that person that you've given all you had that day, you've given your job, you've whatever your situation is, when you walk in the door, you take that five, ten minutes before you walk in the door to decompress, to listen to music, to pray, whatever you need to do to get your mind right, knowing that when you walk through the door, your second shift begins. And now because they're not, especially like, Mark's kids, you know, we got a six-year-old and a four-year-old, right? Three. Yeah, three. Way back before August. Yeah, before in August. So they're not going to understand when, when they walk through the door and they're larger-than-life superhero just walk through the door. They're not going to understand, well, daddy don't have time for you right now. They're not going to understand that. That's going to crush that little heart. So it has to be a situation like Daniel touched on earlier where anytime when it's your child, your frustration can't be from because you're putting you first. And yeah, I've done it. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and be hypocritical. I am an introvert. I don't like talking, which is odd because I do a podcast <laughs> two times a week, talk a lot in the microphone. But I'm a, I, I prefer not to do that. Yeah. But I have kids who, nah, especially my daughter. My daughter, from the time she wake up to the time she go to bed, she got something to say. And she wants my attention. So how dare I? not give her that how dare I because I'm tired or because I don't feel like it okay well she ain't like to be here right she ain't like to be here so that's my take gentlemen I am I want to hear yours can I um can I can I jump back to that um hardest part question you can jump back to whatever you want tomorrow I, I just think I think this might help somebody because with me the the hardest part and then I'm gonna answer that question too but the hardest part for me was um understanding that it's dad guilt as much as mom guilt. Right. And I'm going to elaborate on that. Um, you know, as dads, like you said, we're expected to be the superheroes, the, you know, like try to get your kids any and everything that they need. But understanding that, getting past that guilt of saying no, because I have young kids, like I said, six and three, so they don't understand the no. In my mind, the no is, I don't want to get this to you because we're doing something else. It's going to lead to something better. Like, right. I don't want to, I don't want to spend this on this. You know, because it's really not going to be valuable. You know, it's still in them things that are worth value. And then when you start having that guilt, something little, you go buy the shoes. Then your kids go outside and play and mess the shoes up. And you frustrated like, man, he just scuffed these shoes up. But he three. Right, he right. three. You know what I'm saying? You knew in the, you knew in the front part that some shoes didn't have any value, but you felt guilty because in your mind, you didn't have everything growing up, so you want to give your kids everything you didn't have. Right. And then that guilt sits on you. You make a decision. Now you're mad at your kid for a decision that you could have you stopped making. Right. right. So I think as a dad, the hardest part for me was getting past that guilt and understanding it's okay to say no if the reason behind your no has a bigger value than that actual value at that current time. That's right. Good. It's not so. just – you're not just saying no because it's more convenient for yeah. you at that time. You're saying yeah. no for a bigger yes. Yeah, a bigger yeah. yes. I love yeah. it. Now, second part of the question. That was the second part of the question was, oh, how do you find that that all oh, that? Um, for me, it's and this might be different for a lot of dads. Seeing their face, that's that's all it take right. because you know, like they always say, you know, you're living in the things that you pray for. Like mm -hmm. I pray to have kids so I can be a dope dad. Right. So how not 
how do I sit there and not take advantage and I have the opportunity? So for me, it's like when I walk in the house and my kid's like, I want to do airplane 50 times, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing airplane, I'm doing 50, airplane times. 50 times. Or like I said, when I used to get off work, I'm taking them to the park during the week. Like I'm tired. I'm working with patients all day. Right. I come home, kids like, I want to go to the park. Okay, let's go to the park. Next times I'm at the park and I'm, I know I'm tired, but I won't let them see that because – you know, they didn't have a choice. You know what I'm saying? They, they didn't have a choice to be here. They're here. They're our blessings. So right. that's enough fuel for me to get going. Like, I'd rather be a little tired at the end of the day of knowing that that quick moment. And I'm talking about sometimes we go to the park 15 minutes, and it's not the time. It's just the fact that we went. It's the experience. Yeah, they you went know? with that dad. Yeah, and me, and me and my wife talk about this all the time. Like, raising our kids with experiences over material. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to remember that experience. Like, my kids got shoes they don't even wear. They just sitting there, shoes and clothes that they grow out and they don't never they don't never wear them. But my daughter, three years old, we took her to Disney World. She would tell you about it still to this day. And you know, at the time, you think like they ain't gonna remember. And yeah, she was free. And yeah, we were down there for my wife's conference, but she still remembers because it's an experience. Right. And that's you know that that's what keeps me going and keeps that energy going is I want to get them experiences because if COVID showed us anything, I don't know what my last day is. Yes, sir. You know, I, I want to leave that that mark of, man, my dad did everything he could to make sure that I had a good experience. He might not have got me everything I want, every toy I want, the play set, but he was there, he showed up, and he gave me experiences that I'll remember for the rest of my life. Yeah, because at the end of the day, that's what it is. When, when your daughter is, is 16, you know, she's not going to remember the pair of shoes you bought her when she was six, but she remembered that because she knows she knows you're tired whether you say it or not she knows it. our kids know us but what she's going to say is that no matter how tired my dad was no matter how no matter how he felt he took me we went to the park we did things together that's the conversation she's going to have and i think and to touch on this just for a moment before we move on to something different the one thing that we have to remember is that we make time for whatever is important to us we make time for it no matter what our schedule looks like, if it's important, we make time for it. Daniel touched on it earlier. We make time to be on the phone. We make time to watch our favorite movie. We make time to go here, go here. We make time. But for some reason, when it comes to our kids, we don't want to make that same time. We don't want to carve out that same time. So once again, so for the fathers who are saying that to themselves, well, you know, you don't know my, you don't know what I go through during the day. You know, you don't know my job. You don't know the stress. You don't know what I'm under. I don't. But here's what I do know. I know your kids love you. Right. I know that if it's if it's truly important to you, you're gonna make the time to make it happen. Right. And so do you want your kids to remember that, yeah, dad put a roof, but dad was never there. And that goes back to presence. Because if we talk about it as two type of presence, there's the physical presence where you're in the home but you're emotionally and mentally disconnected. Yep. Right. And then there's the presence where I remember my dad being there and the conversations we had and my dad reading to me, my dad going to the park. I'm I'm playing by myself for an hour and a half, but my dad is sitting there watching me the whole time. There was no point in time that I turned around. He wasn't there. Right. You know, because that's the presence that the kids are going to remember, which I'm actually glad I said that because that leads me to my next question. We're all the fathers of sons. So we all have us. We all have at least one son. Right. And so in, all of us, the four men sitting in this room, are roughly around the same age. So we're in pretty much the same generation. So when talking about that emotional connection, 
how hard or is it even hard how hard is it you to have that emotional talk with your son that not that logical talk not that well you did this and here's but that feeling talk that let's talk about your emotion let's talk about how you feel let's talk about how this affects you because I don't know about you but I didn't do that growing up I came up in the era you're a little boy you fall down men don't cry get up brush it off and to this day and I joke about it but it's kind of wrong out growing up my kids it was two b's is it bleeding is it broken <laughs> if it's not bleeding it's not broken we gonna move on with our life uh-huh. and when I think about that that's not necessarily the best way to handle it right. so I'm curious and Dan we'll start with you because correct me if I'm wrong but you grew up um, father in the home mother in the home you grew up with both parents no, no. you did not no. I'm sorry correct me sorry yeah, yeah. No, um, I don't. I don't remember living in the same house with my father and mother. Okay, they separated after I was born. But okay, early enough for me not to remember. Okay, um, I did see my father every other weekend. Okay, he lived in a different state. My stepfather was home with us. Okay, and he he he'd be the prime example of being there. That's, but not being that's present. what I was thinking. Yeah. Okay, okay. So being there but not being present. Okay. Um, but yeah, that, that's how I grew up. But it so it it depends on the individual man. If you're if you're someone who's experienced a lot of love in your life, right, and you're you're able to express that, most likely, like through osmosis, it's going to be a little bit easier for you to do that with your kids, even if they're if they're, even if they're sons, right. I, and you 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 hear it in how they speak, you see it in how they act. Um, so for my kids, I'm I'm constantly like making eye contact with them, mm-hmm. Let, like I love you. And and he does the same like my kids do the same thing back to me without even like now without even asking not my two year old because he's crazy <laughs> <laughs> but you you see a lot of a lot of love and compassion from my um, from my five year old right. or from my fourteen year old but yeah the, it's again if if you have it in you it's a little bit easier you got to show your kids love you got to show your kids compassion. Um, you got to be able to speak to those things when it comes to feeling instead of just like yes and no. Right. Um, and that and it's all right if they don't agree with it. There's a lot of times where I'll I'll say something to my five year old. He's like, "That didn't make me feel good." And I'm like, "It's not supposed to. <laughs> it's not supposed to." But this is why. You know, I have him answer a lot of questions about the stuff that he does. Right. At five, and sometimes I got to remind good. myself he's five. You know, <laughs> but he understands, and if he understands, we're gonna have a conversation about it, and you're gonna tell me why I said that to you. Right. You know, or why I discipline you that way. You're gonna tell me why, because you need to understand. Right. Um, but it takes it takes getting to their level. Uh, to answer the other question too about like switching when he when he yeah. comes home from being present, I found get like physically getting to their level too. Pastor Steven said this one time where someone told him to when you get home, get on your knees and play. Right. And and I found that if I get home and I just lay down on the ground and let my kids jump on me, it, it's hard not to be present in that moment. Got you. you know, but again, even even with compassion um and love, like you need to be able to answer the questions to the things that you're you're telling them to do. Right. You know, you need to be able to express to them the why. Sometimes you don't need to. Because sometimes it's just like you just need to do this. I'm yeah. telling you, to, you know. Sometimes it just is what it is. And it's knowing it's knowing when to do that and when not to do that. And that's all learned, you know. Your first kid's probably gonna be the hardest because you're trying to figure it all out. Right. Especially if you didn't have a father figure to help you with that, you know. I 
I, I feel like I have a lot of love and compassion because my mother was mainly in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was blessed enough to, to grow up in church and to, to actually experience for myself what the love of God is. Right. Um, and understand that for me and understand that I also need to express that to other people. Right. So the, that conversation with my kids or, or like getting to talk about their feelings or what they're feeling. And I think, I think sometimes it can be dangerous for parents sometimes because they kind of go down the wrong direction where their feelings hold a lot of weight right. in the conversation. Right. Um, so then it changes how you parent. I don't, I don't think that that can't be the case, but you need to be able to speak to why you're having these, con- like you're, you're expressing compassion in this way or love in this way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it really depends on who you, I need to, I need to do better in, in going places. I love being home. <laughs> I do. And I, and I, and I feel like I'm raising some home bodies. Thank God. <laughs> but I love to be home, you know, but I, I do need it intentionally. And I think, I think that's a good thing for par- for fathers to know is that you're going to have strengths and weaknesses. Oh yeah. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, it's not. Everything it's, has to be a learning experience. It yeah, is, but yeah. you need to be. You just need to be honest with yourself, man. You need to be that's honest it. with yourself. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, if you're not, if you're not honest with your strengths and weaknesses, then parenting is weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, then the hypocrisy of parenting actually feels like hypocrisy. Yes. You know what I mean? But yeah, you just need to be honest with yourself. Well, the thing about what you say about your strengths and weaknesses, and and I find this too when. When your weakness is somebody else's strength and you try to portray that strength and that's your weakness, then you find out when you're doing that person's strength, you're getting more frustrated. Not because you don't want to do it. It's just not in you to do it that way. Right. You know, so like you said, you definitely have to find out what works for you and works for your kids. Now, I'm curious for you, Mark, because I'm going to let the family on a little background. So understanding Mark is from Chicago. Um, during a time period or when it wasn't safe to be from Chicago. Still ain't. Still, well, yeah, still ain't safe to be from Chicago, to be honest with you. Um, but when that change? <laughs> <laughs> Growing up in a household with a single mother, all boys, um, and her main objective is to keep her son safe and have them come home safe every day. So correct me if I'm wrong, but it wasn't a lot of touchy-feely in that household. It wasn't. So now you have a son who uh, is more on the, correct me if I'm wrong, but more on the touchy-feely side, which is not a bad thing. I'm not saying it like it's a bad thing, so please don't misunderstand me, family. So for, for a father like you who did not grow up with that, and now you have a son where you have to, you have to do that, how does that work for you? Um, well, let me first start by saying I'm still learning it. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still struggling, and my son is three. You know, he's three and I'm still struggling with it because, like you said, I grew up in a single mother household, tough love. Right. You know, that, like you said, that you fall down, get up, you'll be okay. You know, or, you know, boys don't cry, you know, or even hearing that from like my uncles growing up, like, man, don't sit around and cry. Don't, you know, show weakness. Like, I have a son now who you can be sitting there and, dad, let me give you a hug. Like, okay. So I will hug him. But that is something that I actually have to work on every single day because that's my and that's my wife she's physical touch you know like that's not that's not me like and he's like that he he wants to hug he wants to sit right under your arm and I can remember when he was younger like he'll fall down and I was just looking like oh you'll be okay because that's how I was raised 
You know, and it's like, it's you know, he might have a sensitive side to him. He might be more touchy-feely. That doesn't mean anything is wrong. It's I have to change up how I parent him for his personality. That's right. good right you, there. Yeah, you that's know, really good right like there. Like we talked earlier, and, and I'm going to say this, and I want everybody to hear this. Trying to raise your kids exactly how you were raised is a generational curse. Yes, sir. That's because good. Your, your kids are not you, and you are not your parents. Yes, right? sir. Every situation is different. Like my mother, single mother, she didn't have a choice. She had to that tough love. Our kids have both their parents. We don't have to show as much tough love as my mother did because they have a choice. Right. right. So I have to learn to step back and like, if my son want to hug, okay. Other day he told me, he like, Daddy, I love hanging out with you. And it was uh, like, okay, you know. And I also had to realize, too, that, you know, like, I have this with my kids. You know, I, I still believe in this one if they do something. But I don't as much because I had to realize, like, they don't need it like I need it. Right. right. My mother would tell you that, like, I'm I'm the one kind of just go with the flow, son, out of her son, <laughs> just kind of, do you know, do this. And that's how my son Miles is. But he doesn't need me to physically discipline him. If I talk to him. He would start crying for me talking to him, which I which, with that let me know my son has that sense of sad that I didn't have. Like right. you had it with me, like the, the talking it's one. The only way you yeah, understand. The only way he's gonna get through me, but I was trying to do to him what was done to me. Right. And I had to step back. Like he just needs that talk. You know, he he needs me to understand that he has feelings just like my daughter does. And I think right. as a dad of sons who also have girls, I think sometimes you think, oh, just your daughter's gonna have the feelings because she's a girl. But no, my son. He has feelings too, and I need to respect and honor those feelings as well. That he has a sensitive side that I don't have, but right. that doesn't mean I don't have to, you know, address his side, his sensitive side of him. That's part of his personality. And if I say I love my son, I have to love all sides of it. Yeah. Now right. he's your boy's boy. He jumps and climbs and runs and all that, but he does have that that sensitive side that he gets, I think, from from my wife. Right. Because my wife is very sensitive, which is not a bad thing, but I have to learn that's part of his personality and it's probably going to be his personality. So I need to change up my parenting to meet those needs. And that's, that's one thing. And Jarvis, I won't, I, I definitely want your take on this because I want to know, but I think that's one thing is as men and as fathers, we need to understand. I don't care how old your child is. I don't care where you are in your fatherhood process. We were raised that men don't have feelings. Men are not dispel emotional. Dispel that, please. Please dispel that. Yes. Notion. Can we, right now, we're going to put an end to that, that, that myth, that notion that men don't have feelings. And it's, it's a bad thing if a man feels something. It's a bad thing if a man gets sad. It's a bad thing if a man cries. And we don't have a sensitive side. Every yeah, man has a Every sens- man has a sensitive side. Every man. And it's okay. It's a, it, does, it is not a weakness. Compassion is not a weakness. Right. Showing love is not a weakness. Right, right. The fact that at three, your son recognizes that I can tell my dad I love him. I can hug my dad. I can tell my dad. That's a strength. That's a strength that I love being with you. I love hanging out with you. And the fact that he doesn't he doesn't see anything wrong with it, it's a beautiful thing. Because like you said, and I was the same way growing up. And I'm going to let you get on in a minute. Um, I remember, I'll never forget a time. So, and I've talked about it before. I'm growing up. I had some issues coming up. I had a lot of things happen in my life at a very young age, um, dealing with a lot of sickness, a lot of death. And so there was a time where I had to go see someone. I had to go away for a while. I had to actually be checked in into uh, a mental hospital at a very young age to seek help because I was very self-destructive. I was very dangerous to myself. And, and I don't even know if he remembers this conversation, but 
the weekend before I was I had to go to the hospital, I spent that weekend with my father. Hadn't seen him in a very long time. And when he found out when I had the conversation with him about what I was going through and about what was going on, he looked at me in anger and he got mad. And he looked at me and said, Crenshaw men don't do this. Mm. Crenshaw men are not weak. And this is what he and I'm at this time, I believe I'm like 11, 12 years old. Jeez. Just buried my brother. He was the best. He was my hero. Dealing with all these emotions, dealing with things that no one could give me answers to. And he looked at me and told me that Crenshaw men, we're not weak. This is a weakness. I'm like, yo, for real? Like, I'm telling you, I'm, and after that, I shut down. Right. I shut down after that. That's what we do. Yeah. Like after that, I shut down. And like, and even that first time, because, because of that happening, I was not able to get the help I needed the first time. Mm -hmm. So I ended up having to go back a few more times because by the time I got there, I shut down. I wasn't, I wasn't being honest with the counselors. I wasn't being honest with my doctors. Mm. I wasn't being honest with my therapist. I wasn't being honest with anyone because I'm being told Crenshaw men don't do this. Crenshaw men are not weak. This is weakness. And so for me, when it came to my kids, I was like, nah, I can't. I got to have, I got to, like to this day, my oldest, my, my oldest son's in their 30s. My youngest son is in, a, in his early 20s. He's almost 30. Every time I see them, I kiss them on the cheek. Every time I see them, I hug them. I've been doing this since they were ba- since they were young. I constantly tell them, I love you. I love you. Hugging them. And we do what we call a free-for-all. I need to know how you're feeling. I need to know right. what's going on with you. Because I never want them to have that conversation or have to sit down when they're older and be like, you know what? I tried to tell my parents this, and this is the outcome, and this is what right. was said to me. Right. So, Jarvis, for you, I'm curious because... You you shared your background with the family. They're they're familiar. Um, you grew up. Situation was a little volatile when it came to your father. So for you, that emotional aspect of and anyone who knows you, just listening to you, you're a very logical man. Um, you tears to, you um, steer towards logic before anything else. So for you, how is that raising sons and that emotional aspect and what is that like for you? So fortunately, I had a, a you know my mother allowed me to um, be open with my emotions and be open with what I really felt. And so um, I think from my perspective, it's really about transparency. Okay. And we weren't, as men, we are told not to be transparent. Every day. Like you can't really show what you really feel. And so, you know, I I listened to your story about your, about your father and, you know, we have, uh, and and, uh, for Marcus, his uncle's telling him like, no, we, me and the, but then we struggle with alcoholism. Yeah, we struggling with heroin addictions. Oh, yeah. We struggle with all these other addictions because we don't really deal, and we're told you can't really deal with what you're really feeling. So find an outlet for it, and generally that outlet is negative. Every time, because what I'm feeling is heavy, so I need something that can meet that heaviness with it's just as much pleasure. Right. Usually that's alcohol, that's pornography, that's, you know, those are things that I can control. I could push a pleasure button for. Right, right. And if we are really honest, we are sensitive. Men are sensitive. Not as sensitive as women, but we're sensitive. And so we need to be able to be transparent with our feelings. And so my youngest son, he's the creative. You know, all of my other stuff. So, and, and so something that Daniel said is that there, it, it's individual. Like, right. Some of some of our children don't require me to have an emotional conversation with because he can meet me at logic. 
you know, my 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 two older sons, uh, Jalen and Jarvis, they both can meet me at Logic. Jonathan, he's not gonna meet me at Logic. Like I'm talking logically to him, and he 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 can't hear me. Right. And all he hears judgment because it's too clinical. Gotcha. The conversation is too clinical. Right. He needs it to be more nuanced. He needs it to be more like he needs to. Do like Daniel says, you have to ask him questions so that he can come to the conclusion for himself. Okay. I can't just give him A plus B equals C. Right. Like, and I had to learn this. I had to learn that I don't really have a connection with him because it's too difficult for me, from coming from a logical standpoint, to have a conversation with him where it's like peeling an onion every day. Like, wait, I thought we were right. deeper than this, but I go, go into a new conversation. It's like, oh, we starting over. But it was because I was trying to meet him from where I was and not meeting him where he is. You know, uh, Marcus said something a little bit earlier about our children study us. Your children know you, but we don't spend enough time studying our children. Right. We just live it. But we got to study them just like they're studying in us so that we can understand how to change as parents. It's not our children that struggle with change. They changing yeah. as they grow up. They're yeah, constantly changing. Yep. We want to be the same. Like we like the comfort of I know what I'm doing. Yeah. No, you don't. I don't. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so get comfortable with as long as you're raising these children, you gotta change because they're gonna need something. They need a different version of you as they grow. Yep. And you can't keep doing the same things that work when they were three. Yep. When you're talking to a 15 year old. Oh yeah. Yeah, because they're gonna say you don't understand me. Yeah, because you don't. <laughs> exactly, because yeah, you cause haven't you been don't. studying me. Like you haven't been studying how I'm changing as I'm growing, and because a lot of it is a reflection of how what you're doing. Oh yeah, yeah. I Ma learned it from you, Dad. Y'all remember that? I remember that commercial. <laughs> Do you remember that? Uh, the PSA. Oh, you remember that? So it was. Um, so the father comes into the the kid's room. It's a room is a mess, and he has this box. It's an old cigar box. And it's full of drugs. And so the dad is screaming at him. It's like, I don't understand why you're doing this. And he just, father's just screaming on him. The son's not saying anything. And at the end of the PSA, the son and the father's like, well, I need an answer. Give me an answer. And he's like, I learned it from you, dad. I learned it from watching you. Exactly. And then the dad just shut down. Yeah, and Yeah, because they do. And, and Mark, one thing you said. Um, when it comes to, and I want to tie both those points in together, because Mark, you said that you can't parent your child the way you were parent, yes. because your your child is not you, and you're not your parent. Right. And to tie that into your point, Jarvis, that I think what parents miss a lot of the times is that we're constantly trying to make our kids fit into our mold, right. where sometimes you have to fit into their mold. Exactly. Sometimes you have to adjust. It's not giving up your parenthood. Is not giving up the respect. It's not giving up your authority. It's adjusting. It's adjusting. Because one thing that we had to learn, um, my wife and I, we learned that we can't parent, like I'll, I'll take Morgan, for instance, our, our youngest daughter. I couldn't parent a 15-year-old Morgan the, the same way I parented a 14-year-old Morgan. Right. Because between the age of 14 and 15, she changed. Mm -hmm. What she liked changed. How she looked at life, her perspective changed. And if I'm constantly trying to talk to her from that same place of that 14-year-old Morgan, when she's not that person anymore, I'm missing it. I've missed the mark. And like you said it best, and, and Dan, you said it as well, because as parents, we try. 
I know one thing for sure. All your kids are different. Absolutely. All three of your sons are different. They, they, their foundation yeah. is the same because it's what you and your wife instilled in them, but their personalities, their perspective, how they handle things are different. Right. You know, your um, Bailey and, 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 uh, and uh, Miles, they're different. They're not the same. They may look like you. They may have some of your characteristics, but they're different. And parents, what we try to do, we try to, every kid we parent the same. Here, here's, you're going to do it this way. This is how it's going to be done. And there's no leeway. And it's not going to happen. And it's, it's not, not going to happen. Because there's no way. You can't have the same conversation with Noah that you're going to have with Levi right. and get the same results. Right. It's not going to happen. You have to adjust. It does not take away from our fatherhood. No. It doesn't make us less parents. In my estimation, it makes us more effective. Exactly. Right. Right. Well, we, you, it's the difference between pruning and chopping. Yes. Mm -hmm. Ooh, speak like to we, that, sir. We speak wanna, to that. What we... We can chop down the tree of our kid and hope that they grow how we want them to. Right. And we know if we think it's not going to happen. It doesn't happen with trees. It's not going to happen. It's going to grow how it's going to grow. But if you're actually paying attention to how your kid is growing, then you know what to prune. Right. But it takes paying attention right. to prune the things that, you know, that maybe are negative characteristics of, mm -hmm. of their personality. Oh, yeah. You're not, you're not completely chopping that tree down. You're respecting how it's growing and, and helping shape it to a healthy... Like, you prune plants to help it grow healthy. Oh, yeah. Right. It's just like your children. That's what you need to do. But it takes be, paying attention to be able to do that. I'm going to be... I was thinking, oh, I'm sorry, Mark. No, go ahead. Go I, ahead. I was thinking about what you said about the, the changing and adapting, too. It, and I feel like this. If you're not careful, if you don't change and adapt with your kids, it'll eventually turn into resentment. Oh, yeah. From your mm -hmm. kids. Yeah. Because I can remember... Um, like our kids, I got six and three. So Saturday mornings, anybody sleeping at eight, nine? We we not even sleeping at seven. <laughs> I, our kids literally, our kids get up every day, even on Saturday and Sunday, five forty-five, six o'clock in the morning, mm. ready to go. Wow. And you know, I can remember like them coming in the room and they want to go. They want to go outside. They want to do this. They want oh, yeah. they want to get out the house. And if you're not careful, if you keep, oh no, daddy tired, daddy sleeping, daddy this. Eventually, they go stop coming downstairs and just stay upstairs. And then you're questioning, like, man, why my kids not coming down here? Yeah. You, you, just like an older person, they get tired of doing something, having the same results of what's the point of going down and now daddy's not going to get up anyway. So it's like you have to be careful, too, with not adapting with your kids. Like, they might not always get up at 6, but right now when they're young, they're getting up. They're used to get up at that time for school and daycare. They want to get up and they want to see, like you said, the most important people in their life. They want to see their parents. Oh, yeah. And when you brush them off, eventually it's going to turn into resentment. Yeah, and they might not say nothing when they're younger because they can't express that to you, but their actions will show it. So you have to be careful. And like, if your kids want to get up that early in the morning, and it's times when I don't go to sleep till 1 o'clock, Miles and Bailey come downstairs, 5, 34, 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm up. They want breakfast, getting breakfast, we getting dressed, we out the house some Saturdays at 8 o'clock in the morning. We at the park. <laughs> because mm. they, they, want, they want to do it. My, my wife will tell you, like, my wife had to make the adjustment. My wife, people know my wife. My wife, I love her. But she, <laughs> look, she, she loves her sleep. Ada loves her sleep. But over the last year, she's known, like, our kids come downstairs. So now we both get up in the morning, get the kids ready, feed them, and we have, like, a family workout day at the gym. Right. It took her a while because she's not a morning person, but she adapted. Because I remember the kids used to say sometimes they, they would give me and they'd be like, my mommy always sleeping. And I think she I think she heard it one time and she like, 
I got to get up. But like I said, that's that's a part of she didn't just oh, I'm, I'm their mother. I'm tired. I'm asleep. She adapted. Right. So, you know, mothers, they adapt. You know, they, they do what they have to do. And I think right. it's not enough spotlight on fathers who do it, too. But we need to adapt as well. We can't just leave it to the mother. Like, we have to adapt as well. I am. I'm going to let my my geek come out just for a moment. If you guys don't mind, just bear with me just for a moment. It's um it's a lesson I learned from one of my favorite movies growing up, The Karate Kid. And Mr. Miyagi taught this lesson. If you ever watch Karate Kid, you know that Mr. Miyagi, one of his favorite things to do was his, his bonsai trees. Mm-hmm. So he would sit there and he would prune and him and Daniel had a conversation about it. And one of the lessons he taught is that you can't tell the tree what to do. The tree has to go its own route, and your job is just to prune it, and it'll grow the way it needs to grow. And I use that same analogy when it comes to kids, because yes, our kids, there's a foundation that we have to set, but it's not our decision on which roads they take. Right. Because one, A, they're not even ours. And we've mentioned this before, we talked on this before, our kids were given, they're, they're on loan to us from God. Right. Our job is to get them where God wants them to be, not where we want them to be. Because to be honest, a lot of the times where we see them and where God sees them can be two different things. Right. Yeah. Because we're looking at them through our own prism. Through our lens, yeah. Exactly. We're looking at them through our own limitations and what we were able to do in our life or not able to do or shortcomings we had. And that's how we're looking at our kids. And it's not intentional sometimes. We're not doing it to be mean. We're not doing it to downgrade them. But we are limited, flawed human beings. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times where God wants them to go, because we can't see it for our, within ourselves, we try to hinder it and be like, no, you're going to go this path. And then we wonder why we get so much friction from our kids. And we wonder why the, their road end up being a lot harder than it needs to be, because we're trying to guide them down our road right. instead of guiding them down the road that God wants them to be yeah. on. And we had to understand that when it comes, and once again, I'm not being hypocritical. Um, I wasn't always, we wasn't always this way. Right. We're the parents, we know best. Mm-hmm. We're adults, we've been through this. There's nothing that you've gone through that we haven't been through before. Yeah, kinda. I mean, in the essence, that statement is correct. But guess what? I didn't grow up as a child in, t- in 2021. Right. I didn't, grow, I didn't grow up with me as a father. Right. So, if, if that being the case, yeah, I'm I'm having new experiences. I'm seeing yeah. things because the biggest thing for me coming up was the Nintendo. Yeah. That was the biggest thing for me. You know, you got that original Nintendo. Actually, I'm gonna take it back. That Atari 1600. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was high tech technology right. when I was growing up. That one joystick, that one joystick, joystick with the red Not button a controller, on it. A joystick. You know what I'm saying? That joystick. An actual stick. It was an actual they, they stick. Don't know the joystick is. You know they, what I'm saying? It was a joystick. <laughs> and which and crazy part, so off subject. So I saw this thing on social media. Was like, go to your kid and tell them pretend like they're using a the phone. Right, you see that? Right. And they put their whole palm up to their hand. And when you do the actual, when we used to do the the thumb and the index finger, like they don't understand that. Yep. Totally different times. Yep. I didn't have the whole world in the palm of my hand. If right. I wanted to know something as a kid, I had to go and, and 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 had to go to the to the car catalog. Yeah. 
to find the book right. or, or kids, I'm going to really blow your mind. Now, ask your parents what this is. Or I had to go to the encyclopedia. Encyclopedia, yeah. <laughs> the actual encyclopedia. Textual Google. Oh, yes, you, sir. If you, were using, if you were using the computer, that dial-up. Which, which you would probably be quicker just going to get an encyclopedia. <laughs> because the crazy part what people don't realize, when we were growing up, you actually had to be a computer programmer because you had to put that C colon dot colon dash. Right. <laughs> to even get the disc to run. That's not the world they're living in now. Right. That's, you know, Jackson and Levi, even Noah. Yeah. They don't know what that world is. Yeah. They don't know a world where it's not in the palm of their hands. Bailey and, and Miles don't know what it is not to be able to go to everybody's favorite line, Google it, mm-hmm. and not to know how to find that information. So, no. So, no, Mark, I, I, you can't parent Miles the way you were parenting because the times were so different then because they didn't we didn't have the same things you know you touched on it before at at nine years old you know I wasn't able to go to a device and pull up every depraved picture porn growing up you had to work for porn Right, up. you know, right. You had to have a, you had to your, have your friend boy. down the street. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Had the, uh, Playboy collection. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you had <laughs> Yeah, you had to have that one shady friend with the shady exactly. father exactly. who had the collection. <laughs> Y'all went or, in the woods. <laughs> Y'all went in the woods. <laughs> or that uncle that didn't clean out his, ba- his bathroom fast enough before you got there. Before you got there, <laughs> you know that's what that's what we grew up with. Now, you know, nah, man, not only is it so much access for it, but it's geared to trap you exactly like it's not even just like oh it's out there and it's available no it's out there and it's coming for you yes sir so you know it's so easy for like you have to have a conversation with you know i had teenage boys like if you're not having a conversation with them so that they can choose not to take advantage of the access that they have oh yeah you're setting your children up to fail. You're setting right. sons up to fail yeah. or even daughters. Cause it was a period of time where my oldest daughter struggled with pornography as a female. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, you know, but we had to have conversation. You know, she taught me that we have to have conversations about right. this, what the trappy is, why is it being set? You know, what, what, what are they really trying to teach you? Right. And then you can make a, you can make a choice. Right. But even for even for you know, it's it's even more challenging for sons because the world is telling them not only it's not a trap, it's normal. It's, normal. it's expected. Right. Yeah. yeah, like right. this is this is what makes you a normal man. This is what you're supposed to do. One of the conversations I was having with my sons growing up, and I want to know how you guys feel about this, especially because like I said, we all have sons. Cause of course there's certain conversations you have to have with a daughter and you have to have with a son. Let's be honest. Everybody always say Raise, you know, it doesn't matter, girl or boy, raise your kids the exact same. You can't, in my opinion, my estimation, it's just me. You can't raise a boy the same way you raise a girl. And it's simply because there are things that a, a female is going to have to deal with and contend with in this world that nine times out of ten, a male is not going to have to. So there's different lessons that you have to teach. Right. But one of the lessons I taught my daughter and my son is about their body. Mm-hmm. Your body is a temple. Your body is important. And who you give your body to matters. Just because you're a dude doesn't mean that you're supposed to be out there right. and just popping from place to place. That's And that's that's not what we were built for. Right. And I know, and like you were saying, society's telling no. They always tell you, young man, before you get married, go sow your wild oats. Right. If we look at that statement, what does it mean? It means go sleep with as many women as you can. It's, right. it's what that statement means. Mm-hmm. And so and this is what we're teaching our sons. We don't teach them. 
to respect your body. Right. Your body is sacred. Your body is precious. Who you give your body to matters. You know, you'll teach your daughter that. You'll teach your daughter, don't be, don't be going out here sleeping with everything. You tell your son, just wear a condom. Right. Because if, we, if we're really going to be honest, a lot of time that comes from the fact that we want our sons to be heterosexual and we want to make sure that they're heterosexual. Yeah. So we allow them the grace to go out and do that when that's not, you know, sexual sexuality, like the choice of sexuality should not be a conversation for eight year old. Right. Like you shouldn't be. We're not going to have that conversation at eight. No, you're not, not you don't, at all. You're not old enough to even make a decision at 11 or 12 to say. I'm I, I'm a girl or I'm a boy like no you first of all let's just find out who you are as a person right let's just grow you up as a human you can make decisions about your sexuality much later when it's when you can be put in a proper context right but at 12 and 11 no like let's just talk about being a good person now let's talk about how to avoid the trap of sexuality altogether because you're too young to even deal mentally a 14, 15, 16 year old, you're too young to deal with the problems and the the issues that come along with sexuality. I'm actually glad you touched on that because I'm curious. So from a father's standpoint, because, well, you have adult kids, you know, your youngest is 16. Right. Um, My youngest is 24. You guys are new to this game. You still... (laughs) You guys got babies in right. this game. It's a whole conversation you got to have about yeah. the teenage, the teenage <laughs> years. Too. Yeah. So when it comes time, so I'm curious. So this is a question for Mark and Daniel. And actually you as well, because I know you, you've had to. But when it comes time to that talk, that sex talk, that, that birds and the bees talk, A, who's having it? Are you having it? Or are you going to put it off to your wife? And then when it is time, how do you think you're going to handle it? How do you think you're going to be with actually having to sit down and especially with you because you got a girl? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> How's that going to be for you when it's time to sit down and actually have that conversation? You know, I, I actually want to have, I actually want to have it with both. Yes. With, with my wife. Right. You know, cause this is, we're, and we talked about this on the, on the last podcast. So it's not that I'm saying when she's not here, you know, my, my wife was a virgin when we, when we got married. Right. So she wants to have a conversation, you know, in her mind, she's, she's already pushing like, wait to marriage, you know what I'm saying? Save your body. And sometimes when she just say it, I used to be like, I don't know. Cause that wasn't, that wasn't me growing up, you know, it's like, <laughs> but I, you know what? I see the value in that because it was a, a light bulb moment for me. Like when we got married, it was like, man, I'm, she, she, the only, she, I'm the only person that she's ever been with, you know? Right. And it's like a part of me, that was enjoying that running around this girl, that girl, this girl, that girl, because I couldn't express my feelings. So I, I, I delved into that. I didn't dive into drugs. I dove into different girls, sex and things like that. A part of me felt like less of a man because I couldn't give her the same thing. Right. So I actually want to tell my son, you know what I'm saying? Like try, try to wait. If it happens, protect yourself, but it doesn't make you any less of a man if you do wait. Right. You know, but I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't given an opportunity for that talk. I was given an opportunity of, I have a different girl every day of the week, you know what I'm saying? Sleep with this many girls. I went off to college, you know, I was away from home. Like at the time you feel like I'm a man, but it, that really doesn't make you a man. It really, it really doesn't make you that. So I want to have a conversation and let my son know that you can wait, you know, you're, you're not, don't worry about the noise because see with us as guys growing up, it's the noise of, right. 
man, when you lose your virginity? Oh, you right. ain't had this? Like, I, re- I remember those talks before I started doing a, man, you still like, you know what I'm saying? It's like that that pressure of other people making you feel like that's what makes you a man oh, yeah. when, when it's not, though. That has no determination on if you're a good man, if you're going to be a good dad, right. but society tells you it is. Oh, yeah. You know, the more women you can sleep with. I remember when I first told my wife how many people I slept with, she cried. And that was when I felt like I made the worst decision ever telling her because in the back of my mind, that night when she left, I'm like, man, she probably ain't finna come back. And I would have missed out on my blessing if she wouldn't have come back for trying to live a life that is portrayed to guys like, you gotta sleep with this, you gotta sleep with that, you gotta sleep with that. Like, that's not life, that's not realistic. So I really wanna have that talk with my son and my daughter about waiting. I know my, I definitely want my daughter to wait. Just to make that clear, I hope, I hope she wait till she forty. All right, like, but, <laughs> double standard, much more. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. But, but you know, I'm, I'm gonna let my son know it's it's okay. And I, w- I, I'm gonna be honest, I wasn't on board with that conversation when my wife first mentioned it. Right. But now seeing the seeing it and looking at it from another end, I definitely will have that conversation with him. Now, if he chooses to go and do it, fine. But I'm gonna let him know that's not gonna make you a man by sleeping with every girl that you can come in contact with. Yeah, because if we're honest with that. Because society, it tells you, a girl that sleep around is a hoe. Is a hoe. A guy that sleep around, he's a man. Yeah, that's he's what he's player. supposed to do. He's a player. You know, that's there's kudos to that. You know, that's right. you, you get street points for that, and it's that never should be the case. Never. All right, Daniel. So, so you got three sons, my dude. You having that conversation? Have you had the conversation yet? I'll, I'll tell you right now, all the conversations that happen in my house come from me. <laughs> my, wife, my wife is there to support, but she'll tell me, she's like, look, you're good with those conversations. I have conversations with my kids sometimes, and she's crying. She's like, oh my God, that was so good. <laughs> like, whatever. So I'm the conversation holder in the house. Okay. But she's um, present. But she's present. Absolutely. Yeah, she needs to learn, you know, how to not <laughs> She's going to hear somebody that smacks the side of my head. Um, but no, with, uh, so with my oldest, Noah, we, we've had conversations here and there, especially since he has a phone. Right. So th- thank God devices now come with some parental controls. Yes, sir. But listen, if you're a parent listening to this and you think you're just going to put parental controls and I have a conversation, you're going to create resentment in your children. Yeah, they need good. to understand the limitations that you're putting on them and why those limitations exist. So with Noah, I mean, my man can't even access the internet on his phone. Okay. They made a joke one time because the day I set all the stuff up, we had a conversation and he was like, hey, I'm trying to read the Bible, but I can't because it's restricted. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, let me get that. Let me, let me, let me yeah, restrict yeah, that I'll one do, for I'll you. I'm new to this. I'm new to this. <laughs> um, so we, we, we've had a lot of conversations with him about that and just about access with his device and, and right. why there's limits. Um, we take a lot of opportunities with the people in his life, like his cousins or his friends that are going through some of that stuff. Right. To sit down with him and be like, what do you think about this? You know, like, from this situation, what do you think is going on? Why do you think your cousin is doing this? Right. Is it good? Are these things that you're going to try to avoid? I think they should be things you try to avoid, right? So we've had those conversations as well. Um, we we haven't had a specific sex conversation. Okay. And we're going to. So he's 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 uh he's in Florida right now with his father. Okay. For half the summer, he's coming back next week. Right. So we'll probably have it in the next few weeks. He's 14. He's about to go to public school because he was online school for two years. Okay. So there's just a, it's a whole, I just, I need to see where he's at. Right. You know, with certain things um, to be able to guide him in his experience in public school. Because, I mean, to your point, the pressure is real. Oh, yeah. The pressure yeah. is real. What I need to teach, the thing I'm trying to teach my kids as a foundation is 
don't matter what your friends do. It, it don't matter it really what they doesn't. think about you. Yeah. It doesn't. Sometimes my wife, my wife be like, um, like, oh, the, well, you know, if I have a friend, John, whatever. Oh, well, John does that. I'm like, what's my name? <laughs> my name's not John. I don't, ca- I don't care what John and Mary do, man. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Nothing to do with me. So, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to instill that in my kids too, because at that point, the pressure kind of leaves. Right. You know, the pressure kind of leaves because it don't matter what John is doing. I'm, I'm Noah. That's what, I'm, that's what I want my son to say. Right. And I want him to know why he's making these decisions. Uh, but when it comes to sex, yeah, like we're gonna have a conversation with him. I'm, I'm sure he knows a little bit now, um, just because kids know so knows a lot. lot. Yeah. Yeah. He probably knows a lot. A little, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> if he's got cousins and friends, and he probably knows, he probably knows more than I would want. Him to. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Before having the conversation, but no, you just got to put context to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But no, the the conversation I'm gonna have is, is a little different because I was also a virgin when I got married. But I'm noticing you doing air quotes here. <laughs> Were you a reformed virgin? My, my wife called me a, a smurgeon. A smurgeon? <laughs> a, a, a smutty virgin. <laughs> like I did, I did everything but actual sex. Okay. For the most part. Got you. So my wife was the first person I actually had sex with. Okay. Um, you were you were um, a foreplay dude. Yeah, I was a little loose. <laughs> was very little loose. I was I was loose. <laughs> um. But I, I know the value of valuing your body. Right. And respecting your body. And respecting somebody else's body. Absolutely. Um, and I want to instill that in my kids as much as I can. And if they make the decision, I just I need to be able to look in the mirror and say, I had the conversation. That's right. I steered him in the direction. Yeah. That's right. At the end of the day, he's going to do what he wants to do. That's right. Uh, at a certain age, you know, and with the access that he has. So, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... In that conversation, I'll be very specific with you need to protect yourself. You need right. to protect your body. You cannot be creating ties sleeping around with people. Oh, yeah. And and here's some examples of people in your life who have done that and see where they are now. Is that what you want for yourself? Yeah. You know, you got you to gotta put, you put your kids in, in, the, in the shoes of someone who understands why they're making a decision. Right. Not just doing it because they're told to. Right. There needs to be some type of understanding because that's going to drive the rest of their decisions when you're not there to tell them yes or no. Oh, yeah. And actually, this ties into perfectly to what you were talking about earlier on, the hypocrisy of parenthood. Because how how dare we sit here and tell our kids, our sons, well, our daughters, wait until marriage. You know, yeah. you know, care more for yourself. When that's not what we were doing, right. I'm speaking yeah. for myself. Speaking right. for myself, tell, especially when, especially when they come back and be like, "Did you?" Yeah. Then it's like when they start doing hmm. the math, like, "Wait, my my <laughs> sister is 29." <laughs> and see, but I I skip all that, and I and I've had this conversation with my 14 year old, and I'm like, I'm like, as a 32 year old man, right? I still need to consciously not look at pornography. Yes, sir. And I started watching it before your age, right? And I was like, you don't want to be my age struggling with that. Yeah. You don't want to be my age having to decide every day, like, no, I'm not going to do that. Sir. You don't want to do that. You know, and, and that's a vulnerable place to be with your 14-year-old. Very much so. But he needs to see that yes. example. Yeah. And understand. And don't let it stop you from having a conversation. Absolutely. Just because you didn't know better in your teens, in your childhood, in your early 20s, just because you didn't know better, you know now. 
So you know what it does. You know. Yeah. Because that's the thing. There's no such thing as just sex. There's no such thing. Yeah. Right. There's a there's a spiritual connection. There's a physical connection. There's a bond that's created. Yeah. Every time that you have intercourse with someone, there is a bond that is created. It's agreement. Yeah. And you need to understand that. And man, that I mean, you know, contextually speaking with with in, in biblically speaking, sex is an agreement. Yes. That's supposed to produce what you agreed upon. Right. So if we agree that we're going to be a Christian home and we're going to serve God in this house, we have sex and we produce a child in that agreement. But when we're out here just sleeping with people, we don't we're agreeing with at, we, we haven't even had conversations right. with these people. Like, you know, you're having sex with somebody, a, a, a female, a girl. Uh, you haven't had a conversation about what is her, what is her spiritual beliefs? Yeah. What is her, you know, what are her dreams? How does she want to, like, you're just having sex. But you've come into agreement with whatever her struggles are. Yeah. Whatever her questions are. Whatever her concerns are. Whatever her demons, whatever demons are chasing her. And that's the soul tie is the agreement yeah. that you come right. into. Um, right. I want you to answer the question then. That's what we're going to wrap it up because I want to be respectful of everyone's time and, and we could do this for another three hours. I feel like we can. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, so we haven't even touched on like the, the real teenage years. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but I want to because I know I know people got kids. that got to get picked up because of um, daycare situation. So I want to make sure that we respect for everyone's time. Um, but Jarvis for you. So. Had you had the conversation when you had the conversation, what was it like for you? How did that go for you? So I've definitely had the conversation and, uh, it's a, it's a, it's an ongoing conversation. The really good thing I love about, uh, about God is he, as parents, he, he is, he's in it with us. Right. right. And so he's going to give you a chance to have whatever conversations you need to have with your children about whatever. He's going to give you a shot. It's, do I take the shot when it comes up? When right. when that moment happens and I see I need to address this issue, am I going to take it? Am I going to take my shot at that moment? And so we had moments where, you know, things came up and, and you know, my wife and I are like, okay, we got to let's have this conversation. Um I'm very much like Daniel in the in the in that I want my children to think for themselves. Like right. that is my job is to teach you how to think. So it's going to be a lot of questions from me to get you to think. Um, it's not just like a one-sided conversation. It's a, I want you to come out of this conversation with an understanding. Right. And so if I can get you to take the message that I'm teaching you to your friends, rather than you always being a receiver, you can be a teacher. Then we win in the conversation because now I don't have right. to necessarily be concerned about are you going to bring home everything somebody drops off at your door? Right. No, like, no, we don't like cats. We're not bringing a cat, a cat home. Like, <laughs> cats are the devil. Exactly. <laughs> little jerks. We're not bringing, so I'm not bringing that home right. even though you feel, as a friend, you feel very strongly because what I tell my kids is like, you don't know what the source of them telling you, like having that feeling, you don't know what the source of that is. This person's father just left. They just got a divorce. Now they trying to find a way out of dealing with their home situation. So they look in their pornography, but they want to share that with you. Misery loves company. Oh yeah. Every time. Misery yeah. loves company. Every time. No, but you need to understand what's behind that porn. Like there is sex trafficking for a reason. Everybody that's on that camera don't want to be on that camera. Right. 
But there's a thirst for it in the world, and that thirst needs to be satisfied. Not everybody is entering into that contract on their own volition. Like they're they're not not every female that's in one of these videos wants to be in the video. Right. You know, some of this is is this is somebody's mother who is literally being raped on film for your pleasure. Is that what you want to be a part of? Right. And when you get a young man to think like that, especially if you're raising a loving, caring man and you you're raising loving children and you're showing them love and and just how to care for other humans, they they can they can see that like, no, nah, I don't want to be a part of oh, yeah. I don't want to be a part of that. So, you know, we we definitely have the conversation and it's an ongoing conversation because you know, like I said, I got a 16-year-old, got an 18-year-old and a 26-year-old, and, and they're all, like, these are all guys that are really trying to figure it out. Now, we got our oldest son, we got him to 19 before he lost his first Okay. <laughs> and uh, our daughter, we got her all the way to marriage before right. she lost her virginity. But, um, you know, it's still two to go, and you never know. And so our, our middle son, he, he kind of lived with his mother for the last two years, and she has a different view on sex and young people it's more that like here's some prophylactics like. gotcha and so he he ended up having sex and so our youngest is you know turning 16 he's at the point right now he's like i don't want to that's not something i want for myself right um but the conversation has to continue so that talking at 16 don't mean that i'll never have to have a conversation again and he gonna be 18 19 oh, yeah. and gonna be a virgin no we have to continually be having these conversations because now he's allowed to spend time with a female by itself because he couldn't do this before. Right. Um, and so at 16, we'll allow him to do that. Cause I, I kind of want him to have experience with, um, spending time with a young lady, mm -hmm. but not necessarily having that boyfriend, girlfriend title right. on the, on the situation. But I don't want him to, I want him to have experience as far as spending time with young women, but not, because I don't want him to go to college and be awkward because he doesn't even, <laughs> he's never been around a girl by himself. You know what I'm saying? He's that strange dude in the corner. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. I, I want him to have the 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 um the experience of spending time with a female alone, still understand how to be himself right. in that situation. But um also we're having conversations with him and her so that it's, it doesn't go left, that I everything gotcha. is happening within context. Oh, yeah. One of the things that I always taught my sons growing up that when it comes to females, you respect them even if they don't respect themselves. Absolutely. And because, and yep. to touch on That's what you good. said and then we're gonna wrap it up, it's because a lot of the times, the reason men do what they do is because they're not looking at the woman as a person. Mm. It is just a means, it's a means to an end. Mm -hmm. You are an object right now that's gonna allow me to get what I need. That's what I'm about. Yeah, I don't care about your emotions, I don't care about your feelings, I don't care about your dreams, I don't care about your aspirations. You are, for this time we're together, you're going to serve my purpose, and then I'm going to move on. Not realizing that when, as men, when we do that, that's crushing. That's rejection. Mm. That's I gave you something that was important to me, and you threw it away. And like you said, I need my sons to think of that. Mm. Before you make that decision to take this from this young lady, yeah. whether she's freely giving it up or not, before you, before you consciously make this decision, what are you willing to give up? What costs are you willing to pay? Because every time you do this out of the, in, in the wrong context, out of that wedlock, you're paying a cost. Are you willing to pay that cost every time? Gentlemen, I love you. Gentlemen, I thank you so much. Like I said, we could do this 
this is crazy. I just I love sitting around. I love talking to you guys, um, Mark and and Jarvis. Thank you for coming back, Absolutely. Daniel. Thank you for being here for the first time. This is amazing. This is why I've been trying so long to get you on the mic. You're a natural. I love it. Um, one thing we always do in the Crenshaw Corner, we always like to end with a final thought. So, Mark, I'm gonna start with you. What final thought do you have for the men in the in the family today? Being uh, as like being a, being a father, yes, sir. Um, I would say this: don't um, don't feel like a failure if your kids don't follow in every footstep that you took. And I say that for the instance of like me and my brothers, we all grew up playing sports. I always played sports, played sports in the college, and you know we had a girl first. I'm like, okay, well. She said, go do some sports, you know, and we put her in soccer and put in all these other things and she likes to draw. Right. You know, like lately she's saying she want to do be a gymnastics. That's fine. But like when she was like, I just want to do art. I had to step back and was like, that doesn't make me a fade because she doesn't love sports because I love it. It just means, you know, I have to meet her at that level. She loves art. So, you know what? I want to get into art. So right. now I found myself buying her art books and things like that. It's just. Knowing that you can raise your kids with a great foundation, but they still might take a different path than yours, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you did something wrong. It just means that they're still are becoming their own person. So understanding that and still knowing that that doesn't make you any less of a dad. It makes you a better dad when you step up and you love the things that they love too if they're doing things in the right light. Love it. Daniel, what's your final thought for the family? I would say do not let being a father become a routine. If your kids are growing, especially if, if they're very young, they're going through some of the the most changes they ever will in their life. Right. Both physically, intellectually, emotionally, um, spiritually. There's no room for routine there. Right. You know, you need to be present with your family. You need to be present with your kids. You need to be honest with yourself. You know anywhere in life that there's a routine, that there's stagnation. And we can't have that room for stagnation as a father. We need to constantly be be growing with our kids. Um, so, yeah, be present and don't let being a father become a routine. That's amazing. Jarvis, final thoughts for the family? Um, I would say as a father, just remember God wants you to win. Like, he he wants you to win as a father. Right. And so including him um, and including uh, his leadership and, 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 and really looking at how he is patient with you, how he's gentle, how he's, he's, um, uh, he's forgiving, he's merciful. These are all things that we can give to our children. And um, he, he wants you to win. Like he wants you to win as a father. So just be flexible. Just, like I said before, it's a full contact sport. So, you you know, blessed are the flexible. So, um, you know, study your children. Study your children. You know, Sanchez said something earlier about, you know, you don't raise a daughter the way you raise a son. And it's really not, it's, it's, it's really like you don't grow a flower the way you grow a tree. Right. Or you don't grow a rose bush the way you grow an oak tree. Like, it's just completely different. Yeah. Right. The, the care that you have to put in them is different. It doesn't make one better than the other. They both have their value. So be willing to study your children and then ask God, how do I need to change to parent this child? Because right. they're all going to be a little bit different. I love it. Uh, my final thought is going to be simple to the fathers. 
um, to touch on because I love this common theme with Daniel. Be present. Fight to be present. Whatever your situation is, whether you're in the home with your child, whether it's a situation where you do not live with your child, if your child is in a different home, fight to be present. Fight that child to be present in their life. Fight yourself to be present in their life, but make sure you are present. And one thing Daniel said earlier, he said, it's a choice every day for him not to do a particular thing. Being present is a choice. You have to constantly make that choice every day. You have to choose to want to be an effective father. You have to choose to want to be in your child's life. You have to choose to want to make memories. You have to choose to do these things. So every day, fight to fight to be present and every day choose to be present. Family, this has been amazing. Hopefully you learned as much today as I did because, like I said, I can sit here and listen to these gentlemen talk all day. But I thank them. I love these men. They're honest. They're open. They're great fathers. And hopefully you learned something from them today. Family, we thank you for listening. However you're listening, whether it's iTunes, whether it's Podbean, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Google Play, whether it's Amazon Music, whether it's iHeartRadio, on our own personal website at www.thecrenshawcorner.com. Family, we consider ourselves an interactive podcast, which means we can be found on the socials. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook, all in the Crenshaw Corner. And of course, you can email us at any time at thecrenshawcornergmail.com. Once again, thecrenshawcornergmail.com. And as always, family, welcome to our journey.